Roller coasters aren't for everyone, but there are people who will wait in line for hours to taste that mix of exhilaration and fear, to feel that adrenaline pump through their veins, to experience the intoxicating peaks and drops. Lawyering isn't for everyone either. But if you're listening to this podcast, you likely enjoy roller coasters too, or at least you thought you would give this one a try, to experience moments of almost immeasurable satisfaction, but also times of great challenge and self-doubt. On this podcast, I hope to help you tackle both the lows and the highs, with some thoughts of my own, but also with guests who will share their own experiences. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I'm glad you're joining me. Thanks. At a recent Zoom mentoring session, we talked about the business aspect of practicing law and more specifically about money, on how to handle it, how to talk to clients about money issues, and a bit about billing practices. For most lawyers practicing in Ontario today, not all but many, the law is not just a professional intellectual pursuit. It's also a business. Many lawyers are sole practitioners or work at firms with other lawyers, either in partnerships or associations, even if you are working for a large firm. Sooner or later, the business aspect of practicing law will come up, whether you like it or not. And from my perspective, the sooner you turn your mind to this reality, the better. If you are working for the government, for example, and you are a salaried employee, you will not need to speak to your clients about money because you have no clients in the same way lawyers working directly with the public do. But I would say you are in the minority, and in most instances, we get paid for performing legal services, and our relationships with our clients, who are essentially our customers, are based on compensation for service. When I was a new lawyer and worked for other lawyers, I didn't think much about rendering accounts. I docketed my time. I knew that was important to do, but actually billing the client from my work and collecting the money was not on my radar. I had a salary and that was that. Over time, I realized that I needed to pay attention to these aspects of legal practice. And of course, once I became a partner at a law firm, these issues became very, very important We could not function as a business without our clients, without a steady stream of income to cover the overhead, pay salaries, get supplies, and pay ourselves. It's never too early to start thinking about these issues. To keep in mind, even when you are very junior, that clients pay us for services we provide. They expect 
accountability from us. They expect to be able to understand how we bill and on what basis, how frequently and so on. All of these topics are ones you should feel comfortable talking to your clients about. Not all of us are, but we have to be. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't always good at it because it didn't come naturally to me, but I learned and you can too. Here are some suggestions I have for you in point form. Number one, develop an open communication with your clients about money. The earlier in the retainer you do it, the better. When the issue of your retainer initially comes up, and here I mean the idea that this person might engage you to provide legal services, address the issue of payment as well. How do you bill? Is it based on a block fee? Is it on an hourly basis? How often do you bill? Are your accounts detailed? What can the client expect to see on your accounts? Detailed descriptions or just general statements like two emails or two calls? Do you expect a retainer being an amount upfront that will sit in your trust account and from which you will bill from time to time? Is this an initial retainer only or will your client be expected to replenish the retainer each time it's depleted. All these issues should be addressed upfront with your client when the engagement is initially being discussed. Number two, bill regularly. Some new lawyers think that lawyering is the priority, not the billing, not the payment. Actually, it's a balance of the two. Your client needs to know the rate at which their account is growing, how much money they're spending on your services over time. That is one reason billing based on a regular cycle is useful. I bill every 30 days, but there are other models. Pick one that works for you and for your clients. If you do a bunch of work, months of work without billing, and then render one giant account, your client will not be pleased and who can blame them? Unless your client is independently wealthy, they may have trouble coming up with a big amount in one fell swoop. There is another reason billing on a regular basis makes sense. Clients are then aware of what they are spending and they can spread the expense over time. Both they and also you will be better able to see if there are financial snags along the way, for example. If your client is facing some unexpected one-time expense and needs to put some of your legal work on hold for a period of time. You will manage the issue of money better for yourself and for your clients if you bill regularly and are comfortable talking to your clients about the issue of money openly and with accountability. Number three, turn your mind to money issues before major steps in the case. What do I mean here? Let's imagine you're about to bring a motion. You need to give your client 
some idea of the potential cost. Not a firm estimate. I don't believe in those, but some general idea. Explain why you cannot give a firm estimate. For example, you have no way of predicting how long the responding motion materials from the other side will be, how long it will take to respond to them, how much work it will take. Will there be evidence from someone other than just one witness? And so on. But a ballpark is helpful so your client has reasonable expectations of the cost and can budget from them. Or perhaps tell you they can't afford that option at all. There is also the issue of your payment. If you do not address the money aspect of the motion head on from the start, do not look at your client's trust account to see if you are in funds, as we say, whether you have enough money in there to cover the work required for the motion, you might do the work and then not get paid for it. Clients are very happy when an order is made by the court in their favor. They are generally less inclined to pay you if the order is not what they were looking for, if they are disappointed. All of a sudden, there is no rush to pay you, or perhaps in their mind, no reason to pay you at all. Before you embark on a major step in the case, a costly step, talk to your client openly about the related cost. You might consider getting a retainer to complete the work and also make clear to your client that he or she will pay whether the motion is successful or not. It's amazing what you will hear back from a client when they receive an order that is not favorable to them. It's not a question of their lying, lying that there was an agreement they would only pay if you were successful, when there was no such agreement at all. Human nature is what it is, and sometimes we hear things we want to hear, not necessarily what is being said. Number four, value your own work. That is very important. I sometimes feel badly about billing clients, particularly when I know they have some financial challenges and are paying me with after-tax dollars. In such situations, I sometimes give reasonable write-downs and so on. But you need to remember that you provide a service for a payment. No different than a dentist relieving their patient of pain by performing a root canal. When the procedure is completed, the patient pays. We are no different, even though many clients think for some reason that we are. If your work is solid, you're proud of it and prepared to stand behind it, you deserve to be paid for it. There is no reason, no reason at all to feel badly about that. I recently spoke to a new lawyer who told me about her new client. The lawyer dove headfirst into the case and said to me that she did, quote, hours and hours of work, close quote, for which she will never get paid or even bill. Yes, that is sometimes required when you're first starting out, when you are learning on the case. That's the right thing to do, not bill for bringing yourself up to speed on the law or procedure. But as time goes on, you will do less of that. And you should do less of that. 
you should bill your clients for your services, for the work you actually do, and be prepared to explain why this task or that task was required. Some clients will ask, and some will not, but you should always be prepared to stand behind your work and be accountable. And be proud of your work, the work you do, and not cut yourself short when it comes to being fairly compensated. I hope these basic comments were of some assistance to you, if nothing else, as food for thought. And now my customary closing, slightly modified as my thoughts about it have evolved over time. If you want to be a lawyer, truly want to, the type of lawyer you would admire and want to hire yourself, you can be and you will be. If you believe in yourself, others will believe in you. Remember that curves in the road, even occasionally running out of gas, will make your arrival at your destination all the more satisfying. Signing off for now. Please join me again. New episodes every other Monday. And yes, you might occasionally hear one of my cats. <laughs>